Thank you, choir and orchestra. What a day this is to worship God, and we are glad each and every one of you are here today. And I pray that truly we have come prepared to worship Him and to hear a word to, of challenge today. As I was sitting there listening to our God, our help in ages past. Every one of us here should be able to acknowledge that help in ages past, but today we're talking about the challenge to allow God to continue to move today and tomorrow and next week because He is also God of now and of tomorrow and to, to the future. Over the past few weeks, we've been taking a journey to acknowledge that as a society today, we are broken in so many ways. And we need to recover from that brokenness. But I think also there's a call for us to understand that this is a season for us individually. And for us as a church to also to acknowledge that we are also broken in many ways. And we too need to be restored and we too need to see a new vision and we too need to respond appropriately. Because you see, it is in that process of our own recovery and our own healing and our own confession of sins that we, became, that we can become the appropriate change agents that the society so badly needs. You know, so, so often we hear about needing to be a Christian country. Reality is the church needs to become Christian and act in response to God so that we can affect the country around us first. For this journey, Brother Wade has, has asked us to focus on those words from the prophet Micah, specifically from Micah 8, 6, verse 8. I invite you to go to the book of Micah, and it's uh, if you go to Matthew and go back a few pages, you'll run into Micah. Um, but for our focus verse, this has been it. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the, re- the Lord require of you but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? You know, to me, as I read that passage of Scripture, it's interesting to me that there really doesn't leave any room for self-guessing. It doesn't leave any room to wonder or say, God, what are you really talking about? What do you want from me? It's a requirement that we do these three, three things. Last week we understood the call to act justly. Today to consider that call to loving mercy. So today I want you to take a journey with me. I want you to take a journey as a church to back to what the nation of Israel could have been experiencing and as they heard these words from the prophet Micah, that these would be words today that the prophet Micah would be speaking to us individually as Christians and to the contemporary church. But not to just hear the words, but to apply the words. To be challenged by the words because these were the, the words to the nation of Israel. Indeed, to, to understand the full context of what, going, what was going on and what God was even trying to correct and to, to re-guide His people as, he, as they heard these words. 
I truly feel that these are words of prophecy and words of restoration for us individually in the church today. The story is told of a mother who once approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for her son. The emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice and justice demanded death. But I don't want justice, the mother explained. I plead for mercy. But does your son deserve mercy, Napoleon replied. And she said, sir, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. And mercy is what I ask for. Well then, the emperor said, I will have mercy. And her son's life was spared. You know, I wonder. Yes, I truly wonder. What about this small portion of verse 8 of chapter 6 of Micah could draw us to such a challenge today? hope that God can use this time to lead us, to teach us, to let, let us understand the challenge for us. Mercy, a word that understood as Napoleon ex- exhibited in that short story, story. Mercy is defined by Webster as a kind or forgiving treatment of someone who could be treated harshly. From a biblical point of view, we can understand mercy to be God not punishing us for our sins that we deserve or delivery from judgment that we also deserve. It's been interesting to me as I prepared for this message over the last few weeks. And yes, y'all get to deal with it today, and I've been dealing with it for about the last month as Wade asked me to preach this message today. But I wonder how we deal with mercy. How do we understand mercy? It's been interesting to look at at the different translations of Scripture and how they've dealt with with what this word would call us to do and to understand. Those three small words that we saw from the NIV to say to love mercy. In the New American Standard, it, it says to love kindness. In the New English translation, it calls us to be faithful. In the New Century Version, it calls us to love being kind to others. In the message, it calls us to be compassionate and loyal in your love. In the Amplified Bible, it says to love kindness and mercy. In the Contemporary English Version, it says, let mercy be your first concern. From all of these... I get a sense that there's one common theme, and that is a call to action. You see, I don't think mercy is one of those things that we can just talk about, but it's something that we have to offer. It's something that we have to participate in. It's something that we have to believe in. Again, a call to renewing of relationship with God and with each other. So what do these words from Micah have to say to us today? So these words from the, from, are from many of the prophets. The words from Micah are powerful, and they're actually words of indictment of the people of God. Words of God desiring a called out people to be different than the world around them. 
a call to better understand what it's meant to be called God's people, to the nation of Israel, and yes, also to the church today, to continue to be words for us. So let's look even back at the beginning of this chapter in Micah chapter 6. And these words I want to share are from the message translation. In verse 1 of chapter 6 of Micah, it says, Take your stand in court. If you have a complaint against me, tell the mountains, make your case to the hills. And now, mountains, hear God's case. Listen, jury earth, for I am bringing charges against my people. I am bringing a case against Israel. Mm. How would you like to have been the people that first heard those words? God's saying and building a, a, a legal case here. If you've, got, if you've got a case to build against me, tell it to the mountains. But he doesn't stop there. He says, mountains, listen to me. For this is my case against the people of Israel. You know, sometimes I think in our world and in our lives, sometimes we think we really do a good job and build a case against God. And he was offering them an opportunity to do that. But then responded with his own case against them. But it's also interesting to see that this is one of those times that, that God used a prophet to say, listen, people, listen now, listen to God. You see, God needs your attention, is what he is basically saying to the nation of Israel. God needs your attention. Listen up, because these are important words. These are, this is an important call that I have for you to pay attention to. Because it affects who, what our relationship is. It affects what your relationship to the world is. It reflects all that this encompasses. Take notice. Hear. Hear and understand, but hear and take action. Certainly it begins building the case where the people have that opportunity to go to the mountains. All of creation, but then he comes and says, all creation, listen to my story. And again, I wonder. I wonder why it is that this continues to be the case against me. That God has to call out and say, Roy Joham, open your ears and listen. To church today, open your ears and listen. Because you forget. And you stray. And you wonder. And you wander. And yet even to come to this point of being called out. You see, it's only through the mercy of God that he takes that time and energy to call us out. And to lead us down new paths. So church, listen now. Listen to the words of God. You know, as the passage continues to build, it's interesting to me that God acknowledges the complaints of the people. For our purpose here today, this is as a message to us, so 
everywhere for a while as I, as the scripture talks about Israel, I'm going to say to the church, because this is a call to us today. So church, God asks, how have I done you wrong? Because you see, that's how we approach God sometimes is he's done us wrong. God says, this is your chance to make your case to the hills. Let them listen to all your complaints and all your grumblings. This indicates, certainly there's not anything there that, that the people are responding. This is God's, through Micah, saying that these are what your complaints are. But it's evident there's been some complaints and some grumbling again from the nation of Israel. And there's been some straying and there's been some wandering. But then he asks, have I burdened you too much? What do you expect? Consider these and provide your case. So today, do you have a case against God? Has he been asking you and burdening you too much lately? To adjust your lives, to change your lives, to touch someone you don't want to touch? To be someone that you don't want to be, to be a church we don't want to be, but to respond to God appropriately. But then God says, remember, remember I am the one who delivered you out of Egypt. And we have all had our Egypts, haven't we, that we needed to be delivered from? Remember all the bad that you experienced there in Egypt, God says. Remember, I am the one that paid the way out of there. I'm the one that historically that I sent you Moses and I sent you Abraham and I sent you Aaron and Miriam. I am the one that gave you the promised land. I am the one who has been faithful. Remember, my people. Remember what the pagan kings tried to pull and yet you are still my people. Remember the stories of your past and my faithfulness to you. But remember... Through all of that, keep God's salvation before you. Remember in all your grumblings, remember God's faithfulness and his salvation before you. This passage grows and the storyline fills in. This is the story of the people of Israel. But isn't this also my story? And how many of us is it your story? That we wander, that we grumble, and God needs to get our attention. But in remembering that, what can I do? But God, what can I do? How do I show proper respect? Between verses 1 and 6, this is some of the response to the people. It says, Is an armload of burnt offerings enough? How about if I bring a thousand rams, is that enough? And to top it off, maybe buckets, even barrels of olive oil. What can I do? God, maybe it would even be enough if I brought you my firstborn child and offered that. God, what do you want? 
You see, I think that's where I get caught up, and I think sometimes that's where we get caught up, and that's where our stories come together. Is we ask the wrong question. We ask God, (laughs) what must I do? What must I do? And yet we don't hear these commands of God that this is his real expectation. What must I do? What God is looking for in men and women and Christians and from the church today? Three requirements. Do justice. Love mercy. And walk humbly. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not easy. Because I like to translate justice as vengeance. And I like to receive all the mercy that I can receive, but how am I at offering that to others? See, I think that's where we get caught up in all of this. Because there's a lot of this that we like when it happens to us to be treated justly. Offered mercy. But how are we in offering justice to the others to treat them justly in all that they experience? But I think the next step in that is how in the world are we at offering mercy? Say it's simple, but great expectations in this. See, the nation of Israel had come to the wrong, con- wrong conclusion about being God's people. They had a, a superstitious estimate of the worth of sacrifice, which conceives that any external offering that they would bring was pleasing to God and can satisfy all the sins. But Micah and Isaiah and Amos and Hosea waged a war on that misconception. None of them protest the use of sacrifices. But the problem is we come to sacrifices, we come to our times of, of worshiping, we come to all of these things, we do a few things that we, we think are going to make God pleased, and we leave mercy and we leave justice off, and we try to impress God by what we do, and then go about living our life like we never knew God in the first place. You see, God is talking here about a transformed life. He's talking about a transformed life for you and for me and for the church because, you see, we have to have those transformed lives before we will ever impact the community around us for the sake of Christ. The nation of Israel had strayed from being God's people. He had called them to be. And I'm afraid we, too, stray from being the people that God calls us to be. After all, God had called them to be his people. God has called us to be his people. God had offered a line of descendants to Abraham and sent Moses and the prophets to guide them. He'd given them the Ten Commandments, and yet, here he is setting a case against them. You have strayed. You're not being a transformed person. You're living the life that you desire to be. And not responding to the calls that I'm asking and setting forth for you to be and to do. 
So what about this part of the requirement that Micah sets forth? Loving mercy. You see, I think we must understand that it comes from characteristics that include kindness and benevolence and charity. And part of me require and part of mercy requires me to be as willing to forgive sins and, and offenses against me as I am accepting God's mercy towards me. It's a call from Scripture. And yet, it's a call from Scripture that I can't do in who I am physically. You know, to truly be a just person and truly to offer mercy requires God coming in and working through me. Reality is, I like people and have that tendency to like people to get what's due them, right? I struggle with offering mercy when I don't see an opportunity for things that need to be changed. But there's nothing in this passage of Scripture that I can see that that's our job. (laughs) There's a whole lot in this Scripture that says God wants us to change and to be different and to be used by Him to offer mercy. See, I have a real challenge to get outside of my skin and understand where others are and to be the transformed person that God calls me to be. And while I admit that, for me, I cannot, I will not admit that for you. I'll let you struggle with God over that. But what, I'm say- what this is really saying is that we are called to be a transformed people. We are called to be transformed individually. We are called to be transformed collectively in the church and across the churches in Christendom. And with the, all the issues that we have in the larger church of infighting, of fussing, of accusations, of, of feuds within the church and splits within the church, and, we, and the people outside the church that never have experienced God, is there ever any wonder why the church can't impact the society around us when we don't look much different than they do? God calls us to justice, and he calls us to love mercy. And I wonder, why can't we be a people? Why can't I be a person who loves mercy? Seems to me that I need to remember a story such as this from Mark chapter 10. It's an experience that I've had, and I hope an experience that you have had in the past, and maybe it's an experience that we all need to recall today. You know, I reads there in chapter 10 of, of Mark. Then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving the city, a blind man called Bartimaeus was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And as conditions would, and many of us would, the crowd around them began to try to quiet Bartimaeus. But quiet he wouldn't be. And he began to yell louder and louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heard. And his response is, come forth. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus responded, Rabbi, I just want to see. And Jesus responded, Go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Folks, reality is I need that kind of mercy. I need that kind of sight. I need that kind of experience to know that God listens to me whenever I call out. My suspicion is so do you. What I know is there's a whole world out there that needs to know that as well. Oh, how much I need to be willing. How much I need to be available. How much I need to be obedient. Today, the call to love mercy. Let's pray.